Sound Shoe, the number one online music tournament, encompasses seven different genres, including hip-hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to SoundChew.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists, then vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers, scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D-C-H-E-W. Once again, that's www.soundchew.com. The number one online music tournament. It is my mission to create brand stories for you that push the envelope, force people to stop, think, and take notice. Ride with you on your journey to success by creating great design that makes you look like the originator and not an imitator. Get you out of your comfort zone, inspire you to take action, be risky, and always stay true to your passion. Tiffany Inc. is located in Los Angeles, California. Tiffany Inc. specializes in designs, creative brands for the entertainment, fashion, beauty, and food industry. Some past and present clients include Jill Osco, J&K Fresh LLC, celebrity chef Nikki Shaw, teen and family producer Doreen Spencer, the National Association of Veterans, the Alzheimer's Association, and a host of fantastic others. To contact Tiffany Inc., all you have to do is log on to www.tiffanywithaniinc.com. Welcome, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. 
Welcome back to the KRP Radio Show. I hope we got our technical difficulties figured out now. Uh, I guess it's storming over there. The server straight up went down. I don't know if it's the IRS that's mad at us or it's the first lady and her crew. I don't know who it is. Somebody's mad at us, and they try to keep us off the air. But you know what? We are back. We are better than ever. We are here, and we're ready to do this thing. And, uh, you know, I don't know who heard me at the top of the show. Kind of a casual conversation, but... I'm going to repeat myself because from what I understand, we weren't broadcasting out to a large range of people. But um, I just got to say that I am, you know, I'm one of those people who don't feel like the world owes me anything. You know, like I don't I don't think that there are people who owe me anything. I don't think that there I don't think America owes me anything. I don't think that the government owes me anything. I'm just one of those people that feels like, you know, I can earn my keep. You know, nobody owes me something. I'm not I'm not looking for uh, a handout, if you will. And see, I, I don't commonly think that a lot of people who who view themselves as as uh, uh, needy, I don't think that a lot of people who are needy as, as in terms of I'm talking in a, in a society, you know, because there's a large part of society that says, hey, you know, uh, there's a, to a degree, you know, America should come to the rescue of people that are failing. America is the greatest nation in the world. America should be able to provide for people when they can't provide for themselves. But I'm just not one of those people. Now, granted, I get it, believe it or not. Like, I understand why people feel like that. I see why people feel like that. And uh, I can understand how people can get in that mindset and it can carry over into something much more dangerous and much more stronger in their lives to the point of where they lose their uh, individualism or individuality, excuse me. And, and, and they, they lose, you know, who they were raised to be. They lose who God brought us up to be. Uh, which are individuals alone, God-fearing individuals. And, and you know, we are the sole controllers, if, if people don't realize that. Like, we, we are, we really run this. I don't know if people really understand what I mean by, the, by we run this. Like, you know, if, if you believe in God like I believe in God, you got to understand that we run this city. In the words of Rihanna and Beyonce, Lord have mercy, why I use those two as a comparison, I don't know. But, uh, you know, we run this city. We, we run this world. We were given, we were made in the image of God, and, 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 and we were given the authority over all things in this world. And, and that's just what it is. So, so many people get caught up in the understanding or the belief. Not the understanding, but so many people get caught up in the belief that America owes them something or the world owes them something or someone owes them something from just being born. They get so caught up in that belief or, or, or their own understanding of those words and they get lost in who God created them to be. They get lost in the journey of life that we all should go through to make us better people. They get lost in communication with others, they get lost in the belief of hard work, they just totally lose their individuality. And, and you know, when you get people who understand this like I do, 
or, or maybe even on a much larger scale. And here's what I'm going to make you mad. I, I know I'm going to make a lot of people mad, but it is what it is. You know, when you get people who, who are in power and who believe this on a much larger scale, they use that understanding that you have and, and the emotional side of it. They use that to basically control how people think. And, and they, perpet- they perpetuate things that make you believe even deeper that someone owes you something from being born. Nobody don't owe us anything. And, and let me speak for myself. Nobody owes me nothing. You know, there's no one out there that owes me anything. But when you, when you don't understand that, and then people in power do understand that, and they turn that, they turn that for their own benefit, those end up being the people whom you serve. Uh, there are a lot of people who are bosses in a job who understand this. Maybe not on a political scale, maybe not on a on a life scale, but just for the benefit of their job. They understand that you're needy, right? They understand that they have some sort of authority over you, so they use that to their advantage, and they make you do things that you wouldn't normally do. They make you think things that you wouldn't normally think. They make you act sometimes far out of character for right and for wrong. For example, have you ever met someone that you knew, I'm going to say you knew in the street, no matter how, someone that you knew in the street, and they get to work and they're a totally different person. You know, they go to work and they're professional all of a sudden. They go to work and their language changes, you know, or, or they go to school and they, and they even if it's don't apply themselves outside of school, they apply themselves even more inside of school. Or on the job. And, and when you meet people like that, it's almost an amazing thing to see because you're like, man, I never knew, you know, this person was this responsible. I, or I never knew that they could talk this proper. Or I never knew that they could act like that. Or whatever, you know. It, it, it's a whole lot of I never knew. It's a whole lot of I didn't believe. A whole lot of I didn't know you could really go there. And that's because they understand either they have to play the game or they have to step the game up or just have to act accordingly to get by in a society, to get by on, on the job, and to, to make it in school. They understand that. But there's a large degree of people who don't think that they have to clean up themselves to get a job. They don't think that they have to go to a job interview proper. They don't think that they have to work for a living to make something of themselves and to provide for themselves. There's a lot of people who don't think that, and you know why they don't think that? I want you to ask yourself, why do they think that? I mean, we all, we, we all, to a degree, when we see these people, we all kind of say to ourselves, mm, you know, they blah, 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 or mm, I can't believe they're acting like this, or, or whatever. But have you ever really sat down and asked yourself why these people act this way? Why, did they, why do these people believe what they believe? Why don't these people want to take care of themselves? It's because somewhere, somehow, somewhere along the way, someone has made them believe in their heart and in their spirit that they're owed something. Y'all don't believe that, but it's real. Like somebody, in, 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 in somewhere in them growing up, somewhere maybe in school, they might maybe they've read a book, I don't know. You know, somewhere along the way, 
majority, I can't say all these people because all people are not the same. That's, that's stereotyping and, and try not to do that. Sometimes, you know, the flavor is what it looked like. You know, sometimes it tastes like what it looks like. So sometimes being stereotypical is just what it is. But not trying to stereotype all people, but these folks have learned, and I say learn because I think it's a learned characteristic, and I'll explain that in just a second. But these folks have learned that someone owes them something. So they don't have to act accordingly because you know why? They're still going to be taken care of. If they go to prison, guess what? They're still going to be taken care of. If they don't go to work, they're still going to be taken care of. See, it's a learned characteristic because they know if I just at least get off my ass and go to the store or, or, or go get in line at a social services, I can go to the store, I can steal it. Because if I go to jail, either way, I'm going to be taken care of. If I go to the social services and get up in the line and I get and, and, and I tell them my life story and tell them every little thing about my entire life, hide no secrets from this social entity, if I go spill my guts to these people, they'll give me a couple of dollars and I can get by off that couple of dollars and I won't have to work a job. Those are learned characteristics because, frankly, we're born survivors. See, again, that's where that being made in the image of God comes from. They're born, we, we are all born survivors. This body that we have, this temple, some call it, this thing, these limbs that we have, these feet, arm, eyes, legs, you know, it wants to survive. Our body wants to survive. No matter what you do to it, your body wants to survive. And that's something that we didn't have to learn it's something that we were, we, were, we were birthed with. It's a birthright for our bodies to want to survive. It's the way our bodies function. It's the way our minds function. It's the way our brain reacts. It's all of that. We want to survive. So it's a learned characteristic when you want to depend on something else or someone else to survive and not your own self or your own intuition. That's learned. It's taught. And sometimes I feel like it's a generational curse. Because I've seen where mothers, grandmothers, aunts, uncles, sisters, brothers, dads could grow up in the system or grow up in the projects or grow up in housing or on the system, and that's all they know. Like even, and follow me, because I know you guys have seen it. I know you guys have heard it, but to a degree, there's even people who know better and do better in life. But in the back of their mind, they're like, you know what? If this don't work out, <laughs> right? If this don't work out, I know this will work, right? There's a lot of people who really think that. And it's crazy because these learned characteristics because the folks who have been our cultural leaders, the folks who have been our spiritual leaders, the folks who have been our political leaders have perpetuated this mess. They've taught it. They've, they spewed out this garbage. They spread this garbage all over the land. We've ate it. We've wrapped it up. We put it in our mind. We taught it. We taught it to our children. Have you ever wondered why wealthy and elitists? Have you ever wondered why their whole families are, their whole dynasties are all successful? Have you ever wondered that? Like they teach each other something different. They teach each other what a dollar is really worth. 
they teach each other, majority of them, something about hard work. And it's different. I understand it's hard work is different for someone who has a silver in their mouth than for someone who grew up sharecropping or someone who grew up in tobacco fields or grew up in a factory and don't have anything. I understand that there's a difference to that, but you got to give credit what credit is due. They don't teach their kids that if it don't work out, you can go stand in the line somewhere and get a little bit of something if you spill your guts and give up all the information about your life story. They don't teach each other that. They don't teach their kids that. You know, and that's where we got to get to. And, and, you know, let me get a little bit, a little bit more back on topic, right? Get back on topic a, a little bit more because I know a lot of people listening to the show because of something that we put out there, something that was on the blog. And, uh, you know, one of the topics of tonight anyway is something that the first lady said, Michelle Obama. Now, before I even go here on this, before I even get on this topic, I got to let people know what the deal is and why I never, hardly ever get at the first lady. Like, I hardly ever get at the first lady because the simple fact is she's a lady. Like, the way I was raised, the way, the things that I saw and, and, and what God gave me, I just respect women. You know what I'm saying? I respect people who gave birth to me, you know, people who have raised me, people who have taken care of this nation. You know, I respect women with the utmost respect. So a lot of the times when I'm talking politics and I'm talking about issues, I I stray away from talking about our women out here because I don't like to disrespect women. I don't like to disrespect anybody. But I try not to go there because even when I give an honest opinion about something that the first lady might say or something that people that are of her caliber or, 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 or women in the, in the field that we're in and, and you know, socially talking about these topics and whatnot, you know, I'm reluctant to say anything because a lot of folks go in so much to the fact that it's totally, totally disrespectful. And I don't even appreciate it. Like, I don't like the, the when people get personal talking about the things, uh, talking about Michelle Obama or Nancy Reagan or, 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 or Barbara Bush or any of the first ladies for that matter. Because they're women. That You shouldn't be disrespectful to the point where you're talking about the way someone walks or talking about their figure. Like, how would you like somebody to talk about your moms like that? And if it was my mom, I'd punch you in the face probably. Well, I'm too old to be punching people in the face, but I like to punch you in the face. <laughs> Because you deserve it. The truth of the matter is, the First Lady Michelle Obama is not like everyday people. She's no different than Barbara Bush. No different than Nancy Reagan. No different than the rest of them who are out here doing their thing in the political field. The things that she say are oftentimes political, but it's hidden. And there's a lot of us out here who always say, you know, oh, they can so relate to us. They're so like us. You know, this president is, you know, uh, they're just like us, man. They just have the ability to be cool like us, and they blah, 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 blah. And that's just not the truth, because she isn't from where we're from. 
And if she was, she's so far removed. Listen, the truth of the matter is, President Obama, and it's not this is not about him, this is about Michelle Obama, first lady. They can't relate to people like me because they're not currently people like me. And that's okay, by the way. It's cool. I got no problem with that. There's thousands of people out there that can't relate like me. Like Rush Limbaugh, you know, a lot of people, that's your heroes. I hear you. I got a lot of Republicans who listen to the show. And if that's your hero, that's cool. That's your business. But Rush can't relate to me. Rush can't tell you what I'm going through. Rush don't know about the damn inner city. Rush don't know what it feels like to wake up every day and have to go to work and barely make ends meet to pay the mortgage, even though you work your ass off. He don't know about that. And again, that's okay. So with that said, let me go back to the first lady, Michelle Obama. She said these words. She said, I thought, in quote, I got a quote. I want y'all to know that this is a quote, by the way. And I want y'all to think about what I said on the top of the show, all right? I want you to think about all of this and put all this together because it makes perfect sense. She said, and I quote, I thought to myself, if a Princeton and Harvard-educated professional woman doesn't know how to adequately feed her kids, then what are other parents going through who don't have access to the information I have? That's the first lady, Michelle Obama. That's what she said. Let me repeat it. I'm going to repeat it just to let you guys know that it is a quote, that I'm reading a quote that came out of her mouth. And I would love for someone, to KRP Radio on Facebook, I would love for someone to translate it because I don't know if you guys realize it or not, but every time someone's hero put their foot in their mouth, the whole world wants to translate what they said into what they think they said or what they think they meant or what they hope they meant. When I have two ears and two eyes for myself and a brain that I use often, that I'm able to compute and listen and see what they've said without translation. It's not Aramic. If it's Aramic, I might need you to translate. This is English. This is American English. And in her American English, she said, I thought to myself, I quote, I thought to myself, if a Princeton and Harvard-educated professional woman doesn't know how to adequately feed her kids, then what are other parents going through who don't have access to the information I have? Now, I don't know what you guys heard from that. I don't know what you think you heard. But let me tell you what I heard, right? I heard a wealthy, Ivy League-educated woman, again, for the umpteenth time, try her best to discern and explain something when she didn't know what the hell she was talking about to make it relevant to our level. She clearly said these words that should make you go, hmm, she don't understand like I understand. Now, I don't know a whole lot of people and not just women, but I don't know a whole lot of parents from my neighborhood who grew up with the Ivy League education. <laughs> I've been blessed to meet a lot of people in my life 
And uh, I know a lot of people around this world, around this God's green, God's beautiful world, I know a lot of people, and some of them have Ivy League educations, but I'm going back to where I'm from. Now, I don't know a lot of people where I'm from with Ivy League educations. I don't know a lot of people who live around me with Ivy League education. I don't even know a lot of business professionals that I deal with on a daily basis with Ivy League educations and definitely not a Princeton and Harvard-educated professional education. But I do know all of those people, or the vast majority of them, know how to feed their kids. They know how to make ends meet. See, where I'm from, a lot of people, and and I'm willing to bet $1,000. If you put 25 Princeton grads 25 Harvard grads, and anybody can call up and take that bet, by the way, 619-638-8559. I got a G on it, baby. I'm guaranteeing you that if you put 25 Princeton and Harvard grads in the hood and their children in a low-income apartment or government housing, they wouldn't last a damn month with no job, no car, and without somebody showing them how to go apply for benefits. You know why? Because majority of them, actually, is only 1%. I don't even know the math right now. I forgot the math. But majority of them, over 90% of them, over 95% of them, let me keep it fuck, y'all. I almost got the math together in my head. Over 95% of Princeton and Harvard grads don't come from ethnic or poor backgrounds. So they wouldn't know what to, what the hell to do. If you put them in a situation where they didn't have and they had to go ask for, they had to go stand in the line and get some sort of social benefit. See, everyday people know what it means to get up and go to work and go hard. Everyday people know what it means to punch a clock. Everyday people know what it means to go apply for a job and not have a bachelor's, master's, or MBA degree or whatever you want to, whatever degree you want to put out there, a doctorate or whatever. Everyday people know what it takes to make ends meet and feed themselves and their children and to get around with no car, sometimes with no job. Everyday people know what to do to make it. So her saying she don't understand how parents going through who don't have those those kind of Ivy League educations is straight ludicrous. It means she don't understand the people from those backgrounds. Because if she understood the people from those humble beginnings and those backgrounds, she would have never let a comment like that come out of her mouth. Can you imagine somebody like me saying, man, I don't know how in the world people who don't uh, align themselves with being a conservative or align themselves with being an independent know how to feed their kids. Or I don't know how in the world people don't not. Man, that's just crazy. I I can't even put it into words in trying to describe myself and what Michelle, Michelle Obama just put herself in. I can't even go there because I know better. And it's crazy that people don't understand what's going on and they don't see and they don't read. And this, you don't even have to read between the lines. It's not even disguised. It's just what it is. She don't understand people from what they call the basis and the stronghold of the voter voter block is what the president said at one point. He said everyday everyday Americans were the root of his voter block. Everyday Americans was the reason, Main Street America was the reason that he ran for president. Well, how is that if you don't even understand how those people who are uneducated like you and the president 
can eat. Right? You don't even understand how they can go to the store and read a label. Or how they can grow food. Or how they go to the market and buy corn or whatever. See, the truth is in the pudding, but everybody's overlooking it because of who they say they are versus who they say they are. And who they show you they are. You know? And it's ludicrous to me. It's crazy to me. You can't even you can't even speak on it because people will look at you like you're hating. Or you just don't like the president because of whatever. But see, if you dig deeper into, and if you choose to read between the lines, and you've been following these folks and really paying attention on what's been going on all along, you'd also understand that there is hitting or hidden information in what she said. See, it's always, with politicians, you got to understand, it's always more than meets the eye. It's not exactly what they say. A lot of times it's their tone and when they said it. You know, what what was the setting like when they said it? What kind of show were they on? Was it a press conference? You know, was it around was it was a bill trying to be passed? Was there uh, uh uh was there an executive order issued around the topic in which they're talking about? See, there's a lot of things to consider, but for people who are non-political, they don't know about these things because they choose not to deal with it. So they only hear face value of what these politicians are saying. And for what she said, the face value doesn't even make any sense. But if you read in between the lines, you'd understand that what she's really saying is that they want people to accept their way of life as the way of life. See, that's how socialists think. They want you to understand that if you're not going outside three times a day to play it in back inside, you're not doing it right. See, when we grew up, before there was Play 60 or Play 30 or any of those organizations, you know, it was go outside and play all day. Before there was bottled water, we used to drink water from the hoses and we shared cups of whatever, Kool-Aid, soda, whatever we had, and we played and we played and we played and we were outside and we ate. We had fun. We respected each other. We appreciated, understood where freedom came from because a portion of us watched each other's in bondage. A lot of white people watch black people in bondage, and a lot of white people watch other white people in bondage during the slave era of this nation. And a lot of us went through bondage right here in this nation. So there's a lot of elder black folks who were children, if not born, or around when black people had to be exceptionally frugal. See, there's a lot to be said about making your own choices. There's sometimes making your own choices are good, and sometimes they suck. But ultimately, that's what being free is about. So when you take it upon yourself to decide what you want to eat, when you take it upon yourself to decide what kind of dessert you want to have, those are choices that you made. Not a mandate, not an executive order that the president might have issued, something, an agenda that the first lady might be inciting upon, you know, everybody has an agenda for something. Hers happen to be health. So if you leave it up to the first lady, according to what she said, that piece of cheesecake that you wanted or anytime you wanted to overindulge, that wouldn't be allowed because, see, you don't understand cheesecake eater. <laughs> you don't understand overeater. You don't understand what it's about 
when you eat that extra piece of cheesecake or when you cook that red velvet cake or you cook that and eat that chocolate cake, you don't understand when you eat too much birthday cake that this is harming your body and you're going to die early. You're going to die before the time that we said you were going to die from some kind of disease. So we're not going to allow you to eat this stuff. That's what she's really saying. See, there's a push from the top to make sure people eat accordingly. Y'all don't believe that, but you got to open your eyes and pay attention to some of the bills and some of the things that were issued and some, th- some of the things that are talked about and some of the topics that these politicians choose to speak on. This is not some kind of conspiracy. This is all about what the first lady said out of her mouth. Now, if you really go down to it, this all ties into freedom. This all ties into our God-given ability, our God-given right to be free. But a lot of people are going to disagree with that, too. They're going to say, Pudgy, you're reaching, you, you re- you're reaching too much, man. She didn't say all that. That's cool. I'll take for face value what she said, and if you're really paying attention, you'll know that what she said hit me and you. Or you can look at the setting in which it was on. You can look at the, look at the things that she, was, she has been doing and the television shows she's been talking about exercising and eating right, eating healthy, but eating right. You got to say the language they're saying. When they say eating right, what is right? According to whom? According to what? The BMI? If, if you go by the BMI chart, Michelle Obama is obese. And I think she's a healthy black woman, frankly. If you go, if you go to the BMI chart and you look at me, I'm probably overweight. According to the BMI chart, nobody's right. So when they say eating right, eating right according to whom? According to a mandate from the top? According to a document that they're going to bring all these scientists in and these people in and have them study on? And then issue out something that say, hey, if your child is 45 pounds and they're not 6'2", they're obese? I'm just saying, just throwing something out there. I know that didn't make sense, but I'm, I'm just saying... You know, so so who are we eating right by? Is that saying that you should eat pork, period? Like, I don't eat pork, but does that make it right? And if it is right, according to whom? So you got to really understand, you got to really understand what these people are really saying beat the lines. See, everything that they say off face value might come off as uh, uh, caring or, or, or come off as you know somebody is on fire for this uh, this topic or somebody really cares about this topic and, and they're really passionate about you know exercising and being healthy or you can look at what's really going on in America which is a push from the top to control everyone in sight and when you put it all together what we're losing is our freedoms like for example if it was up to the president, there would be no guns. And I know that that's a passionate topic for a lot of people. I didn't plan on talking about that, but let me go there for a second, right? Let me talk about the Second Amendment for a second. Now, let me get black with it for a minute. Like, let me, let me, let me just speak on it from a black perspective and not from 2014, not from 2000 anything, not from 1990, 80, 70, 60 anything. Let me go back to before that. Maybe maybe early 60s, some in the 70s, probably even happened in the 80s a little bit too. Let me explain this for a second from a, from a total black perspective. Let's say, let's pretend for one minute I'm a black guy 
whom have never lived outside of my community, who have never really seen anyone from outside my community unless there were one people of authority or two people who just hated me because I was black. Let's pretend that for a second. And let me walk down from a black perspective why the Second Amendment is so important. Even though I want you to keep in mind that I do understand that gun crimes are totally out of hand. I understand that clearly. I have small children. I have family members, you know, that have died from gun violence. Rest in peace, aunt. And the list goes on. Family, friends. There's so many people that I know. My neighborhood ridiculed with gun violence. I understand what gun violence is firsthand. Shot myself, by the way. I understand what gun violence is first and foremost. All right? I don't need anybody to tell me what gun violence is and what it isn't. But let's go back and pretend that I'm that guy that I just described. And let me explain from that guy's perspective why the Second Amendment is so important without even saying the word Second Amendment. And this might be a little bit flamboyant for a lot of y'all. You might not like it, but too damn bad. Turn it off. Do what you got to do. But I'm going to do what I got to do to make this point. Every time them white folks come in this community, you know, every time the police come over here in this community, they bringing dogs. They coming over here with their mask on, with their sheets on. They're burning up cars. They're burning up neighborhoods. They're burning crosses in people's yards. You know, every time they come around here, all they want to do is hurt us. All they want to do is kill us. And I'm sick and tired of it. So we got to do something to fight back. Forget these sticks, you know, forget these pick forks and these shovels. We got to get our guns too. We got to get guns and start shooting back. Because if they come over here shooting us and we ain't got guns to shoot back at them, then we all going to die. It ain't no way that we're going to be able to protect ourselves. If they got guns and it's legal to have guns, then why can't we have guns and it be legal for us to have guns too to protect ourselves? If they're using guns on us, why can't we use guns on them? So what we need to do is get our guns, we get our money together, we go up north, we buy guns, we bring them back to protect our farms, to protect our daughters, to protect our wives, to protect our sons, to protect our families, our property, and to protect ourselves and our money. Because they don't care about us. And every time they come over here, they're trying to kill us, and I'm sick of it, and today we're going to do something about it. By the way, I've heard the reason that they have guns is because the government made it legal for everybody to have guns. The government didn't make it legal. Our forefathers didn't make it legal for only white folks to have guns, for only class folks to have guns, for only police to have guns. They've made it legal for all of us to have guns. And if we don't raise ourselves up to the bar and do them, we're going to die because we're sitting down. We can't allow them to come in here and shoot at us 
and hold us hostage and take us and drag us behind cars and drag us behind horses and take us away at gunpoint and hang us from trees without fighting back. And sticks and stones ain't breaking no bones. And words definitely ain't hurting them because they wouldn't keep coming back. Do y'all like being sprayed by fire hoses? Do you like those clansmen hiding behind the ladder of the law and the badge coming to the neighborhood and bashing some of our skulls in? Do you like the fact that the law keeps allowing them to get off when they shoot us and when they hurt us? We're losing this fight in protecting ourselves and the freedoms that this government granted us, that our forefathers granted us. We're losing that fight. So in order for us to even the fight and to protect our freedom, we got to fight back. And if fighting back means fighting with guns, then so be it. Now, in 2014, right, we're still fighting, but it's a different fight. Because in 2014, you have these professionals that are wrong. Guns are bad. Guns kill people. Guns don't kill people. What am I going to say next, folks? Everybody, everybody knows people kill people, right? We understand that. Irresponsibility is the largest crime that we have. People are irresponsible. So we have to figure out a way, which I already think is in place, for irresponsible people not to be able to get guns to be irresponsible with. There has to be a bar for irresponsible people to be able to obtain firearms. And we already have that. They have to prove that they're responsible in order to get a firearm. And I think that we already have that because the kind of irresponsibility that I'm talking about or the kind of irresponsible people that I'm talking about are people who commit crimes for no reason. People who go out and harm folks for no reason. People who commit violent crimes, I throw that violent in there, people who commit violent crimes for no reason, people who rob and steal and kill with the intent to inflict serious injury, nuisance to society, people who are quote-unquote thugs in the most negative harm, negative outlook that we could possibly see. But there's no way that there should be a push from the top for everyday Americans like you and me, my brother, your brother, our brother and sisters, whoever, neighbors, whatever. There's no way, knowing what we went through in the history of America, that there should be a perpetuation of losing freedom in the food you eat and your ability to protect yourself with a firearm. Because the last time I checked, the very last time I checked in history, when they were handing out food and they were taking and confiscating guns and locking folks up for having guns and locking people up for having an extra piece of meat, it was 1942, and we were at a world war, and that was Germany, communist Germany. Appreciate y'all listening to the show. 
We out of here. Five minutes to go. I'm closing early, man. Got a lot to do. I appreciate the love that you guys show. The number six one nine six three eight eight five five nine. I'm gonna run through these commercials after this. Make sure you guys check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash KRP Radio Show. And uh, I'm not sorry if you're offended. It is what it is. But sometimes I gotta throw it throw it at you guys the way it needs to be thrown at. And uh, I don't want you guys to take this as total disrespect to the first lady. You know. I don't want you guys to look at this as if someone just like I disrespected her because I make it a point not to disrespect women in general. All right. But sometimes it is what it is. And I call a spade a spade if it's a spade. And that comment that she made was a spade, baby. And I definitely had to come on here and talk about it. You guys are B.I.G. for listening to the show. Check us out online. K.I.R.P. Radio Show dot com. We're always on there. You guys check out the replays every day on the hour, on the hour, on the hour. You can just click on there. If your flash player is not up to date, you're probably going to find a problem with listening to it. And then if you can't update your flash player, you are, you are welcome to go on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, or any other. Just Google KRP Radio Show. Check us out. We're also on Twitter, at symbol, KRP Radio Show, at symbol, NC Pudgy is my personal Hit me up on there. A lot of retweets on there. We're all over the place, man. We definitely try to do this B.I.G. I appreciate the love that you guys show. And remember, communication is the key. God is love, and love is God. And it's far time that you guys accept that. You know, you got to go ahead with your life, man, and stop looking at people and hating them. You know, we got we to gotta get to the point where we're not hating people just for the way that they look or just for the way that they think. That's the whole problem with Democrat or Republican, and that's the reason that I'm an independent but I align myself more with people on the Republican side because they seem to be more free than these Democrats who have been controlling the hoods for years, who have been the spokespeople of the hood, and we've been voting for Democrats for the last 40 years, and the same thing been happening over and over and over and over. And from a black perspective, being a black man in America, look at traditional black communities, and that's what we've got by voting Democrat. I'm out of here, man. I got to go. Love y'all. You're a B.I.G. in my book. And don't forget, let somebody know about the K.I.R.P. Radio Show, baby. K.I.R.P. Radio! Real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real. Only gon' recognize, still, still. I reckon I will. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine. I get to shine. Let's go your